So today we are lucky enough to have Sarah preaching. And Sarah is preaching from John 15, if you would like to follow that. Some Bibles uh, put the words of Jesus in red, and there's lots of argument as to whether they should do that or not. But I will say I get very excited when I open a Bible and there's a lot of words in red. I just, I know it's going to be good. So John 15 says this. This is Jesus talking, if that isn't obvious. Uh, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it can be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown in the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you will bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remained in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit fruit that will last. And so whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Let's pray for Sarah as she comes up. Lord, we thank you for your words. And Lord, as we hang on that final one, that command to love one another, we pray our hearts be open to everything that Sarah has to share with us that we constantly be hungry and excited to learn more about who you are and how much you love us. Lord, we ask all these things in your name. Amen. Good morning. Uh, uh, my name is Sarah. You don't know me. Most of you do, but if you're watching on the screen. Uh, my name is Sarah Marley Hauser, and I'm happy to be here with you to share know me. I love plants. Um, if you're new to Wellspring um, and you don't know anything about Wellspring or me, welcome. I'm so happy you're here. Um, I, a little bit about me. I'm a violinist by trade and a music school administrator during the day. Um, and by night, I am a plant reporter. So great person to be up here. Um, I attend Wellspring with my husband, Tom, who's one of our worship leaders. Uh, and we have two fur babies. Loki and Valkyrie, and we have a new baby on the way. 
a new dog named Sif will be coming to us next week. I got you, Rita and Lillian. Who cares that April Fools was yesterday? Um, I'm also one of our gardeners uh, our, at our vegetable patch out the back, if you haven't seen that before. Um, and I'm the chair of the Deacon's Board along with Donna Barker, who is very capable as our co-chair. Um, and one of the perks that comes with attending Wellspring is that lay leaders get to preach. So here I am. Uh, right now, we're in the season of Lent. Um, and if you're unfamiliar with Lent, um, it is the season of 40 days before Easter, which is the most important uh, day in the church calendar. Um, and people will observe this by giving up something, sacrificing something. So um, they'll give up sweets, TV, social media. Um, I gave up alcohol this Lent, and I still need to pay it forward to Wellspring. So please keep me accountable to that. Um, our sermon series at Wellspring during the season of Lent has been about who Jesus says he is. So we've heard, I'm the bread of life, I'm the door, the light of the world, the good shepherd, the resurrection and the life, the way, the truth, and the life. And today I'm going to be talking about I am the true vine. Um, when James asked me to preach, he offered me bread of life and the true vine, and I asked, like, can I do the true vine? Um, and can I make extensive references to plants and planting? And he said, I would expect nothing less. So... Here we are. Um, I'd like to read, before we get any farther in our service, uh, or the sermon, uh, from the message. Um, so we heard the NIV, I think it was. Um, and today, uh, now, I'd like to read from the message so we can just get a little bit more of a full picture. And I think the language sometimes is a little bit easier to ingest. So here's John 15, 1 to 17 from the message. I am the real vine, and my father is the farmer. He cuts off every branch of me that does not bear fruit. And every branch that is great bearing, he prunes back so that it will bear even more. You are already pruned back by the message I have spoken. Live in me. Make your home in me just as I do in you. In the same way that a branch can't bear fruit by itself, but only by being joined to the vine, can't bear fruit unless you are joined with me. I am the vine and you are the branches. When you're joined with me and I with you, the relationship, the relation intimate and organic, the harvest is sure to be abundant. Separated, you can't produce a thing. Anyone who separates from me is deadwood, gathered up and thrown on the bonfire. But if you make yourself at home with me and my words are at home in you, you can be sure that whoever you ask will be listened to and acted upon, whatever you ask. This is how my father shows who he is. When you produce grapes, when you mature as my disciples. I've loved you the way my father has loved me. Make yourself at home in my love. If you keep my commandments, you'll remain intimately at home in my love. That's what I've done. Kept my father's commandments and made myself at home in his love. I've told you these things for a purpose, that your joy may be, that my joy may be your joy, and your joy wholly mature. This is my commandment. Love one another the way I have loved you. This is the very best way to love. Put your life on the line for your friends. You are my friends when you do things I command you. 
I no longer call you servants because servants don't understand what their master is thinking and planning. No, I've named you friends because I've let you in on everything I've heard from the Father. You didn't choose me. Remember, I chose you and put you in the world to bear fruit, fruit that won't spoil. As fruit bearers, whatever you ask the Father in relation to me, he gives you. But remember the root command, love one another. So for simplicity's sake, um, all of my pruning references are going to be in the context of vegetables and like tomatoes and peppers and grapevines, because that's what I understand. Um, I know that there are lots of different pruning guidelines for different plants, so um, please note I'm not trying to generalize pruning into one complete-fits-all situation. I'm a vegetable gardener, and I'm only just dipping my toe into um, trees and vines and plants. So if what I say doesn't fit your experience with pruning, I beg your forgiveness. Uh, in today's scripture from John, we have a beautiful image of God as a gardener, which is not a hard image to get behind. Um, and there, it's also part uh, an image of us as part of a lord, larger organism, the tree vine. I think we're all pretty comfortable with this picture that's painted for us today. Um, the gardener tends the vineyard with care and carefully separates, removes the branches that are not producing fruit and the branches that will not produce fruit. The branches that do produce fruit are pruned regularly and they produce even more fruit as the vine grows. The branches that do not make the cut, I guess in this case they do make the cut, um, they're discarded and left to wither and then used as fire starter. In a real life modern vineyard, the gardener will spend years pruning vines to the optimal shape to produce most grapes. I had a lovely slide for you that unfortunately I sent in the wrong format because I've never done slides a sermon before, so rookie mistake. Um, but you'll just have to imagine grapevines getting pruned. So the first year, the grapevine doesn't get pruned at all. Um, instead, the gardener will let it grow as far and as high as it can just to get some height. Then in the second and the third years, the gardener will prune extraneous branches and will start to train the main branch along a trellis, usually a horizontal trellis, and the vines will just go off to the sides. Um, and finally, in the fourth year and beyond, the vine will really start to produce fruit as the, as the gardener will prune back the main spurs, which are the branches that actually produce the fruit, um, in the winter to encourage fruiting growth during the growing seasons. For all of the branches to get left on the vine, it would become very crowded um, and would stretch the health of the soil and the vine and the available nutrients past what is necessary for growth. For other fruit, it's really important to prune for increased airflow. Um, tomatoes must be pruned early before they start to flower uh, because that will encourage airflow around the base of the plant. Uh, for example, tomatoes really like airflow around the base. Um, and uh, tomatoes have to be pruned early because they start to flower and uh, if they are bushy at the bottom, there's no airflow. Um, and tomatoes like the perfect amount of moisture. If you don't get it just right, you will get very yucky tomatoes. Um, a damp tomato plant with pure, poor circulation can suffer a multitude of illnesses like blossom and rot or powdery mildew. Um, and most vegetable and pruning plants are picky plants. Not too much moisture, not too little, or the whole plant will start to go mushy gray and dry. 
Branches that are removed from the main plant or those that pop up apart from the plant are also discarded. They wither and they die as they are left in the ground. They do not put down roots and start to grow apart from the vine to produce fruit. To put roots out and propagate a cutting, you need moisture. You need a rooting medium like a soil, a moss, or a fiber. Um, and you need warmth and light. These components to successful propagation do not exist without outside intervention except in a jungle or a rainforest. So that's not going to happen here in Ontario or most places in the world. If you read the article that I did about how plants emit a supersonic scream when their stems are cut, this is different. Um, I want us to remember that pruning and cutting stems are totally different. Uh, pruning is purposeful and necessary uh, for the health of the plant and cutting the stem or being malicious with your cutting is just plain hurtful. So they're very different. I'll allow that pruning does sound pretty horrific uh, to us humans, but we can think about it more like a haircut for a tree. Um, think about how good it feels to get that haircut that you've been needing and waiting back in 2020 when we couldn't go anywhere. Lots of us needed haircuts and that first haircut was just hit the right spot. Um, or think about a dog that needs to get its winter coat brushed out. Um, in the case of the dog though, I had a lovely picture of Loki up here to show you that dogs do not always appreciate getting their winter coats brushed out. They really feel like they are being attacked viciously. Um, so if you would like to see a picture of my dog Loki, very offended, please go to my Instagram back in June. I grew up thinking that each of us was a branch um, and that some of us just didn't get to make it as a fruitful branch. Those of us less fortunate in the fruiting categories would be deftly and swiftly pruned by God and then thrown to eternal hellfire and damnation. Maybe this is what you also believe. Yeah. Wow. Um, I've grown to see that a healthier, more complete way to look at this passage is that yes, we are all a branch. However, the pruning is done to each of us in our own lives, our own actions, and our own beliefs, rather than to unfortunate other people who are not producing fruit. Yes, that is good. Just as the gardener does not maliciously enjoy cutting up their plants and instead sees pruning as a necessary action to take to produce fruitfulness, God also prunes in each of our lives as a necessity in our journey towards growth and fruitfulness. I'd also like to note that there are some theologians who have translated the ancient Greek verb myro, um, I hope I'm saying that correctly, please don't come at me if I'm not, um, as lifts up rather than takes away, uh, as it has usually been translated. Uh, in ancient times, those who took care of grapevines would lift up the branches that were drooping and bearing less fruit to ensure that they got more sun and therefore produced more fruit, instead of just cutting them off. Uh, the Greek, ancient Greek word for pruning can also be translated to cleansing um, instead of pruning. The person taking care of a vineyard would gently clean up the vine to ensure maximum fruitfulness. So sometimes pruning in our own lives doesn't, it, it doesn't mean um, always that we're letting go of a friend um, that no longer serves or builds us up, or it might be about a chapter in your life that's about to end, like a, a job or a career. It does not have to be a person or friend getting cut off. In my own experience, 
pruning tends to be something I realize has been done in my life after the fact, when I emerge from what I realize is a season of growth. The whole year of 2022 was one of those seasons. It was a very long season. It felt like every month some big, scary experience would pop up where I would have to make decisions that I had never made before, or conversations with people on topics that I had never had before, or let go of a limiting belief or mindset that I held with tight fists close to my chest. Each time it felt like I was wading through knee-deep mud while I was carving off pieces of myself as the weight in my chest got heavier and heavier. But each time I emerged on the other side of the big, scary experience, I felt lighter, stronger, and better equipped to deal with the next big, scary experience that sprang up the next month. Fruit would always grow from these times of pruning in my life. A new friend was pouring into my life, or I found that I believed something new uh, that was healthy and that strengthened me, or I cultivated a new habit um, that was life-giving, or I found that I had new resiliency that I didn't have before. The fruits that became obvious in my life after big, scary experiences are in line with the fruits of the Spirit, which are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But I know, it can seem sometimes really difficult to see, foresee the fruits of pruning because we can't see into the future, and the fruits are sometimes small at the beginning. As a violin teacher and as a music school director, I my guiding principle and what I tell my teachers is that whatever we do, we do it to change the world for the better. One music lesson, one practice session at a time. It's the little steps that count. It's the consistencies, um, the small ins insignificant steps, thoughts and skills that are added like Lego blocks to each other to form a new mindset, a new ability, a new practice or a new habit. And it's the small consistency that add up to an abundance of fruit. One grape is not a lot, but an entire vine of grapes is a lot of fruit to take care of. Um, Tom and Laura will know exactly what I'm talking about. We have one, one singular grapevine in our backyard. Um, and there is usually way too much fruit for the three of us to deal with in a timely manner between the grapes ripening and the raccoons finding out that we have grapes. Um, if the vine produced only one grape, or just a handful of grapes, that would be a lot easier to take care of. We'd be able to do that quite quickly. But what's the fun of one grape? What can you do with one grape? Not very much. I think that gyroscopes are an ideal analogy here. Gyroscopes in aircraft are used to maintain stability and provide information about the plane's orientation and rotation. They help to maintain the aircraft's orientation in space by providing a horizon reference point between the pilot and the autopilot system. We have gyroscopes, so to speak, in our Bibles uh, and our relationships with God and others, most of all in the life and ministry of Jesus. These things continually point us to what is good and excellent, what the fruits of our lives should look like. Our horizon reference point as a branch that is part of the true vine. Looking at the Bible and taking a look at Jesus' life and ministry will keep us oriented towards fruitfulness in God and will be our sounding weight and indicator of the healthiness of our fruit. A sounding weight is an ancient mariner's device. It's a long line with a big lead weight at the bottom and they would drop it down to see how far they were from the bottom of the ocean. And so they would 
know that they're going in the right direction. Because land that's slanting up means we're going towards land. Or bottom of the ocean going up means getting shallower. There we go, getting shallower. <laughs> we can think of it in a much more basic perspective too. Every day, just take one step. One singular step to get you back on track. One action that produces fruit no matter how small it is. And we should look to Jesus for what our fruits should be. Our own individual fruits will look different than the fruits that are produced in the life of the person sitting next to you. Overall, these fruits should be in line with the fruits of the Spirit, the fruits that change the world for the better um, and for the glory of God. But the specific actions that each of us take will look different for each of us. And we might not be able to understand why someone else is doing what they're doing. It might look very weird to us. Past measuring it against the fruits of the Spirit and Jesus' life and ministry, I just want us to focus on ourselves. Don't worry about what others are doing now, because what you see might be confusing or frustrating, and you might fail to see the fruits and how they're abiding in Jesus. What does abiding in the true vine, Jesus, look like for us as the body of Wellspring and as individuals? What should our fruits be? What does the pruning look like that is necessary to grow those fruits? Each of us requires different pruning. Each of us will experience some big, scary experiences. And they'll look different for each of us. There's no one pruning fits all situation. But because we're choosing to abide in God, God knows exactly what we need to grow and flourish. God has chosen each one of us and put us here to be nurtured and tended by the capable hands of the gardener. Whatever your skin color, your marital status, how much money you make, or who you love, how old or young you are, or who you are deep inside, past the world's binary and gender-specific lens, you have fruits to bear as the branch on the true vine, and inevitably you will bear fruit as you abide in the hands of the gardener. We cannot avoid bearing fruit if we abide in the embrace of the gardener. It is our calling to bear good However, if we are to produce good fruit that is abundant, then we must be pruned. So then, questions beg to be asked. What kind of fruit are we supposed to be producing as a church? What kind of fruit are we supposed to be producing as branches in the true vine? What kind of pruning does Wellspring need? And what kind of pruning do we need personally? I did have slides that had this on, and I was going to leave them up. You all are going to have to have a long memory, because I want to give us about two to three minutes of personal reflection and contemplation with those four sentences or four questions. Um, and then at the end, if anybody has something that they want to share, something that came to the surface or their attention or their heart, um, I'm going to come around with the mic. So again, what kind of fruit are we supposed to be producing as wellspring? What kind of fruit are we supposed to be producing as branches on the true vine? What pruning does wellspring need? What pruning do we need personally? If you don't want to share this out loud, you do not have to, but if you feel like it would be helpful for others to hear, I'm going to come around. I'll give us two to three minutes, and then we'll come back together.
you have anything that you want to share around I always have something to say. <laughs> I keep on coming back to that image of, of the idea of pruning as being uh, lifting up uh, or, or cleaning even, and, and how different that looks, even, even though uh, you said how vital it is for pieces to yeah, sometimes be trimmed or cleaned or something. How different does that look now, uh, the idea of being of lifting those pieces up and deplifting? I do. Uh, Answer that kind of first question. I've been reflecting a lot this week on uh, Jesus's words that by our fruit they'll know us. And I, I love that at the end of this passage that we read today, which is quite interesting and weird and convoluted and beautiful, almost out of nowhere he says, this is my command, love one another. And it would be a non sequitur were it not for the fact that's what he says always. Like it can't, that can't ever be a non sequitur when it's Jesus saying it. And I, I kind of want that to be the case for us as well. That whatever we do or say, wherever our disagreements might be, that we can just come back to that command to love one another. And people are like, oh yeah, of course. Like that just makes sense. Thanks, Sarah. I kept thinking about Genesis. And in Genesis 2, we read, Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, and how God was in the garden. And what, and what the disciples have been thinking, yeah, this takes us right back to the very beginning. This is all part of God's plan to create a people. And we're not a people separate from him. Not only did God create sense of God being transcendent and creative, but also the intimacy of being invited right into the life of God joining us and in the spirit coming so that we can actually live out that life that Jesus promised. I just kept thinking, we have an amazing God. Um, to answer the question, what fruit should we be bearing at Wellspring? I'm just going to read you what I wrote out here. It's, you, us, Wellspring, will be a source of encouragement and joy to the church in Canada, of a love lived out practically and in community where differences are held loosely while Jesus is held tight. Seeking neither fame nor fortune, or false idols like numbers, but believing that the good thing God is doing here is never just for our own sake, but for the sake of a nation, a city, 
that our hope would be really large about whatever the vision is. Chad was having a hard time with that. No, I knew it wasn't. <laughs> else? Awesome. Thank you. I'm going to close with a prayer. Um, I'm not going to make you read the whole scripture or respond, um, but there is repeated words that come back. So um, if you catch the rhythm, these are prayers adapted um, or prayers written by Bruce Pruer. What a great world it would be if God, our friend, if we all kept our lives grafted in Jesus Christ, the true vine, and like good branches produce the bountiful fruits of the spirit. God, we pray for your earthly family, that they may know the fullness of your love. What a great world it would be if we cared for the sick, the disabled, the health impaired, the diseased, and the mentally ill, like Jesus did. God, we pray for your earthly family, that they would come to know the fullness of your love. What a great world it would be if we sought the lost and the bewildered people and restored their dignity and hope, as Jesus did. God, we pray for your earthly family that they may know the fullness of your love. What a great world it would be if we opened our hearts to misfits and outcasts and our arms to those the world turns away, as Jesus did. God, we pray that your earthly family, that they may know the fullness of your love. What a great world it would be if we practiced forgiving our enemies and doing good to those who spitefully abuse us, like Jesus did. God, we pray for your earthly family, that they may come to know the fullness of your love. What a great world it would be if we let others borrow what we have and gave gifts without looking for a reward, as Jesus did. God, we pray for your earthly family, that they may know the fullness of your love. God, what a great world it would be if we created a new community out of disparate types of people as Jesus did with his disciples. God, we pray for your earthly family, that they may know the fullness of your love. And what a great world it would be, God, if we prepared to carry our own crosses with the courage and faithfulness of our Lord Jesus Christ. God, we pray for your earthly family, that they may know the fullness of your love. Loving God, bind us close to your lovely Christ. Let Christ's spirit flow within us, healing our defects and enabling us to produce the fruits of love, both in and out of season. For the glory of your name.